I'd like to ask all the kiddos to come on up here. I mean, if you're, if you're a kid from, I don't care if you were born yesterday up to, uh, you know, you're still in school. Come on up here. I'm going to ask some of the men in the church not to, don't sneak off on me here because I'm going to have some of you come up as well. Well, these are the kiddos that we, uh, that we love and we care about and we, uh, we think about. Man, we got enough to make two rows here. We got a whole... And I asked you to fill up the church last week. This is great. This is fantastic. Well, the last couple weeks uh, have been very uh, nerve-wracking for people around the country. And we, uh, you know, as... As adults, as big people, gang, we, uh, let me sneak through here, kiddo. You know, we think about you guys a lot, okay? You probably don't think about me. You probably don't even know who I am half the time and some of these other people. But we want you to know that, that we care about you very much and, uh, and that we love you guys. How many of you go to school? Raise them up there. I can see what we got. I mean, about everybody there. Wow. How many of you, when you're in school, sometimes you have to have drills, you have to uh, prepare, you know, in case something bad should happen? You know? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of world we live in. You know, these, these people had to ha- do those things, too. Only when they, we all, we like had fire drills and tornadoes, nuclear bomb. Any of you guys ever do the atomic drill, jump under the desk? That's going to do it. You know, that's going to save you. Well, you know, we do live in a world sometimes it can be pretty scary, you know. But, you know, our God is, is a powerful God. Our God loves you very, very much. And what I would ask is if you have a child here, would you come up and stand behind your child? We're going to pray for our kids today. And uh, and I would ask the elders, Larry, would you come up, just stand, please, come up and stand with us. There we go, now we're talking. Make sure every child has an adult that, can you fit all the adults up there, you know? All right, gang, what we're going to do is we want to pray for you. You know what prayer is? What is prayer? Talking to God, that's right. And we want to talk to God this morning for you guys, okay, on your behalf. So if you would all bow with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these children. We love these children. And Lord, we pray for them as as they go about their time at, at school and in the community, with their friends, that they'd be able to live a life free of, of fear and anger and all of the, the ugliness that, that is out there. Lord, we pray specifically today for their protection. We pray for their, uh, not only uh, physically, but, but spiritual protection as well. God, we are your people, and we believe in the power of prayer. So many don't. Lord, we want to pray for these kids and lift them up to you, and we want to pray for them that you would direct them, you would love them, 
and that you would protect them. Lord, we love you today, and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, gang, you guys can all head out to... Who's in charge of these kids this morning? Oh, my goodness. They're going to have a crew. All right, gang, there you go. All right, thanks, guys. I always love it when you call the kids up. The little kids come up, they're like, the older kids are like, I hate this. Why do I got to do this? Oh, yes. Well, it's been a crazy week. And last week we spoke about you know, some of the events that had happened in Florida and some of the things that, that have made things so, so difficult. And this week at school, I noticed uh, among the, uh, the kids especially and among the staff, there was a very much a heightened sense of awareness uh, a lot of uh, attention paid to what was going on around them. I've talked to some of my other staff, uh, my colleagues, and we'd walk around and, you know, what have you been doing? You know, I walk down the hall, and all I do is stare at kids' hands. I've got to make sure people aren't, you know, reaching for a gun or something or doing something, and it really jacks up the, the tension. And, uh, there, of course, there was the, the tweets or the... the Facebook post that went out, SNS, you know, it's Springfield and Shawnee and Southeastern and every other school with an S in it, they were upset. And, of course, uh, they, they found somebody, you know, some kid making, you know, thought it was, I don't know why you would do that, but kids do that. At Graham, we had kids scared as well. We had our share of... Kids uh, going to the office, you know, we heard so-and-so is bringing a gun to school. We got to do something, you know. And you, you have to investigate every little thing that happens. You, you can't risk. And uh, so, you know, it was a, a crazy week. And you could sort of sense the fear that people had, the, the tension. Uh, I talked to some parents who worried about, you know, should I send my kid to school? I mean, I heard something today. I... And it scares me. I don't know if I should should send my kids. And and uh, it, I the other day I was uh, I went to uh, was out at Rural King, and I was back in the sporting goods, and I was listening to everybody talk. And gun sales have went through the roof last week. Okay, they went sky high. Uh, when I was in there, the people were trying to buy. Uh, they were loading up. You're getting ready for something, I don't know. People are scared. And I think a lot of that was driven because of fear, not, not a, an intense uh, worrying about the Second Amendment or something more like, I'm scared, I need to protect myself. There was this one good old boy, I can't uh, repeat his, his language, but he was like, yeah, I, I, need, a, I need a gun. And the, and the guy's like, well, what kind of firearm would you like? One that I can put a bullet in somebody if they mess with me. And I'm like, okay. Well, people are afraid. People are scared. You know, fear is a, it's a destroyer. Fear is a thing that, that takes our, uh, our confidence away. It messes up our ability to 
to witness our ability to feel secure in the promises that God has given to us. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful that in the Bible there are stories of, of people who dealt with, with fear. We fear today not only for our lives. You know, I'm sure I'd, you know, as a teacher, one of the uh, suggestions that has come up is, let's arm the teachers. I love it that the, 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 the politicians trust me with a gun now, but they won't trust me with the curriculum or, or the testing. But, they, but boy, you can have a gun if you, you want one. So, and I'm a member of the NRA. I mean, I have firearms. I've enjoyed shooting sports my whole life. But guns aren't the answer. They're not going to keep our kids safe. The answer to that is, is, is a much greater thing. Okay, sure. I would love to have the opportunity to protect myself, protect my kids. But fear causes us to reach out for answers, for solutions that are temporary, that are a band-aid, that are ineffective. They might make us feel safe. They might make us feel secure. But in the end, it's all dust. It, 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 it's not the answer. If you have your Bibles, turn back to Numbers. We're going to, man, you talk about blowing off the dust here. Go back to Numbers chapter 13. There, get that out of there. Okay, I preached a while back about everybody get a Bible. Everybody should, you know, even a little digital Bible, I don't care. Numbers chapter 13. Now here's the story. The Israelites have been, uh, or the Hebrews, excuse me, they've been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. Moses had led them out of captivity in Egypt. Uh, they saw what, what had happened. They went through the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army was destroyed. And uh, they wandered around. Well, of course, they screwed up. And, uh, you know, because of what they did, at, uh, you know, by rejecting the, what Moses and God had done, the Ten Commandments, and then some of the other things that had happened, they're forced to wander for 40 years until eventually they show up at the promised land. This is the, the destination. This is the place you were supposed to get to all this wandering around. We finally got there. It'd be like if you've ever been on a big trip and you go, uh, you're driving and driving and if you're like me, you take one or two wrong turns, grandpa's shortcut, and you end up driving around extra and you're like, man, I should have been there by now. I just keep driving. I remember one time I uh, was going to Columbus for something and I trusted good old Apple Maps. And it, it, I ended up... <laughs> was nowhere near where I was supposed to be. I was totally lost. Thanks a lot. But I eventually got there, and that's how these, the Hebrews felt. We're finally there. So they get there, and the decision is made to sort of spy out the land. We've got to get in there and, and see what we're up against. As God has told us, we're going to go into the promised land. He's going to give us the promised land. Everything we've done is, is worked up to this moment. So I'm going to pick up here in Numbers, uh, actually chapter 13, verse 25. And I've got a little bit to read here, so just kind of follow along with me. If you don't have your Bible, just kind of you know, think and, and kind of see it playing out in your head. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. So they've been out there looking around, you know, seeing what's going on. And then they come back to report to 
to Moses. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. These were all well-known, very warlike nations. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses. You can imagine what had happened. We've been to the promised land, and it's a man. It's going to be a real task for us to go in there. And all the people are probably like, well, I, I don't know. I, I can't believe this. So Caleb's like, okay, quiet down, quiet down, quiet down. Caleb was one of the spies that got sent in there. Verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. What are we waiting for? Let's get them. Verse 31, then the men who had gone up with him said, oh, we're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. We don't have any business messing around with these guys. Verse 32, so they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Why do you want to go in there, gang? You sent us in there to go see what it's like. I'm telling you what it's like. It's filled with warlike people. They're all strong. They got fortified cities. They got big armies. And not only that, they're huge. Don't listen to Caleb. He's lost his marbles. He wants to run right in there. Chapter 14, verse 1. Then all the congregation roused or raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. Came all this way and look at now we now we're with certain doom we're going in there we're going to get mashed and and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron the whole congregation said to them would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword our wives and our little ones will become a prey would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, hey, let's choose a leader and let's go back to Egypt. What's the problem with these people? They're scared. They're afraid. And in the presence of God who told them, You're gonna, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. We're going to go around. We're going to this land. You will occupy that land. So they get there, and immediately, uh, we don't want to listen to you, God. I mean, there's a lot of big people over here, and they're going to get us. Why don't we, uh, let's go back to Egypt. You know, maybe they'll forget of us, and we'll, we'll go back to slavery. 
That reminds me, we were at a, uh, this is way off the topic, but I got to tell this story. We were at a, uh, a training conference about two years ago, and uh, it was this uh, psychometrician from the state of Ohio, the ACT test, you must bring a cover, number two pencil, and we're just sitting there like, and I uh, was just, we were goofing around. Teachers are the worst students, by the way, so we're clowning around and. And I muttered something about, man, I could just kill myself. And Siri <laughs> yells out in the middle of the, the arena, do you need help for mental health? Are you thinking of, do you need suicide awareness calling suicide prevention hotline? And I'm like pushing buttons trying to get it to quit. Wait, wait, wait. So don't tell me about technology. I've, I've been there. I know. I got sold out by Siri. Never forget that. Man, that was shoot your dirty looks. That table over there. Yeah. Well, you know, you think about these people here, and, and they're, uh, they're afraid. You know, fear spreads like a plague. It's contagious. In fact, in sociology class, I teach about what we call contagion, which is a... Uh, you know, the, this idea of uh, fear, how it, it, it very irrationally just kind of spreads. And the classic example is the War of the Worlds, which is a, was a radio program that was broadcast based on a novel by H.G. Wells. Well, they got on the radio, I think it was in the 30s, and uh, Orson Welles got on there and they started to go through the story. But they broadcast it like it was really happening thinking, nobody's going to fall for this. I mean, this is crazy. And they're like, you know, you'd be sitting there listening, and it starts off with, like, you know, big band music. We interrupt this program. Strange explosions have been seen on the face of Mars. Back to your programming. And people are sitting around like, what? What did he just say? And then about five minutes later, they get on there. Strange lights have been seen over New Jersey. People are rushing out to investigate. Meanwhile, back to the program. Doo, 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 doo. And, and people are like, what is going on? And then they started into the story of the, the War of the Worlds. Of course, the, you know, the aliens come, and they start zapping people and turning them into fertilizer or whatever they do. And, 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 but people were scared to death. They had this reporter who was an actor Saying, there are these giant tripod figures. They're walking around. Oh, this is horrible. They're going, Silence. And people were just like, what is going on? And people thought that we were really being invaded by Martians. And I've read accounts of people who said, you know, we just jumped in our cars and drove for the country. We didn't know where we were going. We just were driving. Not knowing where or what or why, just we had to get away. That's what fear does. We lose our minds, as some of the kids would say. You freak out. That's what the, Israel, uh, the Hebrew people are doing here. It's time to go into the land that God has promised them, and they're freaking out. Let's get back to the story uh, Chapter 14, verse 8. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. 
and said to all the congregation of the people, the land which we pass through to spy out, it's exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, oh, I've got to put up with these people. And it goes on, and of course, Israel will be punished for their lack of faith, their lack of belief, their fear, irrational fear. I mean, the God of the universe who had saved them again and again had told them, we're going into the promised land. I will give it to you. These people will fall before you. Just do what I'm asking you to do. No, no, we can't go. It's too scary. We're, we're, we're. In the midst of all that fear, Caleb and Joshua stood out by putting their faith in God. Their desire was to obey. They wanted to surrender to God. Surrendering means to give yourself completely to God. That's the first thing that takes us towards peace when we're afraid. I have to give this over to God. I have to surrender myself to Him. Lord, I'm scared. I've got to send my kid to school today. I know there's a threat. I know that and I've got, I'm scared. God would say to us, Surrender to me first. That's the first step towards peace. It seems like a very plain thing, but people neglect it. Caleb said that the, the people were afraid. And Joshua, later on he, in the book of Joshua, he says, but I completely followed the Lord. We were freaked out, but I, I, I was freaked out. But I decided I'm going to follow the Lord. The Bible says that when he completely follows the Lord, the Hebrew word there is it's full of a lot of meaning. It describes a man who gives himself entirely and completely to God. He does that because he loves God so much. Uh, when you guys fell in love, maybe uh, you know there are moments in your life where you, you pledge to another person your heart or whatever. You're giving them you're completely... Surrendering your heart. Caleb wanted to serve God only. Our surrender to God is the only answer to the problem of, of fear. Isaiah 26.3 says, You, Lord, give him perfect peace because he puts his trust in you. Perfect peace means that you can't get it any better. Someone says, you know, I've made God the end of all my fears. Well, well, that's fine. So you're bringing all your anxious worries to God. Leave them with God. God promises us this, this perfect peace. And Caleb had that attitude or that quality about him. And I think the reason for his calm attitude, his confidence in the face of danger, in the face of fear, is because he had completely surrendered his life to God. I trust you, God. 
I don't care what's going to happen. I don't care how big their, their forts are. I don't care how many people they got. I don't care how big they are. My trust is in you. Let's give God a little responsibility over our lives as well. Caleb, you know, was able to make the people calm. He quieted the people because he had a different attitude. They wouldn't trust God. And as such, it, it made a bad situation worse. Some are saying, let's go back to Egypt. Let's, let's stone Moses and Aaron. They've only been our leader for 40 years out here. They haven't done us wrong yet, but hey, this is what we'll get rid of them. You know, fear makes us reach out into all kinds of crazy things. We're afraid for our kids at school. Let's give teachers guns. Let's get more police officers there. You realize school shootings are over an average of about three to four minutes? The shooting begins, three to four minutes, it's done, it's over. And to my knowledge, we have yet to have a police officer show up and put an end to a shooting. Policemen show up, God bless them. They show up to clean up. Armed staff, probably not the answer. More cops, not the answer, unless you want to put a, a police officer in every classroom. I've had people say, we need to turn our schools into... You know, more security, we got to have, uh, we gotta have uh, 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 metal detector doors. We need to be able to close doors on command. You hit a button and the doors close. That'll keep the kids safe. We need bulletproof on the windows. We need to do all this stuff. Tim, what do you call a building like that? It's a prison. We want to send our kids to school, not to prison. You got your helmet today, son? Yeah, good. Yes, you got your, uh, got your flak jacket? Yes. There was an uptick in sales of book bags that were lined with Kevlar. They were about 300 bucks a shot. There you go. Of course, at Graham, we're poor, so I, I tell them, well, just grab a textbook, and when you run, you kind of hold it over your chest or run, hold it behind your head, you know, that way you, you got a chance then. Little tip there, tell your kids, you may not have Kevlar, but you probably got a geometry book about that thick. Yeah, there you go, you know, hold that sucker right there. Anyways, when fear takes over, we reach out for all of these solutions, like the people of Israel did, the Hebrew people. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's stone Moses. Let's do all these other things. How about Caleb says, why don't you just do what God asked you to do? Well, you couldn't do that. There are a lot of voices pulling and tugging at us right now. If you, if you go to uh, jump ahead to the New Testament, the book of John, much more familiar to, to people, I think, the book of John. And in chapter 10, Jesus has been battling with the Pharisees again. They've been going on and on at it about... You know, the Pharisees are looking at Jesus saying, you're a false teacher, you, 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 you shouldn't be here, you're leading the people astray, and Jesus is sort of turning it on them. No, 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 look, you guys are the ones that are, 
messed up. In fact, Jesus begins to call them thieves and robbers. You think about what a, what a thief and a robber does. They steal things, they, they take things, they kill, they destroy. I had a, uh, my, uh, knee, uh, dang on it, my cousin, be my cousin's daughter. I'm no good with my genealogy. Anyways, she wants to be a teacher. And she's a very uh, popular kid over at Triad. She's a baton twirler and all, very talented, very skilled, charismatic person. And this last week, she decided, you know what, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. Not with all this stuff that's going on. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think I want to do it. And a lot of us talk to her about that. You know, it, it's okay to be afraid, but you can't let your fear rob you. Steal your dreams. Steal the things that, that make your life living. The, the things that your hopes, your dreams... And that's what robbers do. They break in and they steal things. Don't let evil steal your dream. Don't let evil steal your sense of, of peace, of confidence in God. John chapter 10, uh, there's a famous uh, story here, the good shepherd story. You know, Jesus said, you know, I'm the good shepherd. People understand, you know, the shepherd, I get that. He's not there. He's bringing the people. You know, it's what a good shepherd does. But later in that, um, in that, that chapter, he also refers to himself as a gate. Okay? Um, yeah, verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I'm like the gate. The sheep got to, you know, to get to safety, they got to come through me to, to get there. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only in to steal and kill and destroy. Now, I've heard many preachers talk about it. I think I've even done this years ago uh, before I really begin to look at the passage. And we applied this to the devil. People called Satan. You know, he's, a, he's a thief. He, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And yeah, I think in a broad context, he does want to do that. But in the context of the, the verse, the thief that Jesus is talking about was the Pharisees. You guys have been leading people astray for years and years. And everything you've taught them has done nothing but lead them down a bad path to ruin. I'm the gateway. They need to come through me, not, not thieves and robbers and, and that. We do the same thing today. God is still, Jesus is still the gateway. His heavenly Father draws people to Christ, to His Son, so that through Him we can enter into eternal life, a relationship with God that is only possible through Jesus Christ. And yet so many times we listen to thieves and robbers telling us, the answer to your fear is not a relationship with God. It's, a, it's an AR-15. It's more ammo. It's gun control, it's socialism, it's, it's 800 other things. 
The answer to our problems are not more guns. It's not politics. If you're waiting on Democrats or Republicans to save you, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because we don't have a gun problem. We have a human heart problem. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Some uh, translations call it desperately wicked. Who can understand it? The key to overcoming fear is to go through the proper gate, through Christ. Follow Christ. To be free from fear, we need to recalibrate where our attention is given. Don't focus on the world. Focus on him. I know it sounds silly, but I'm, I'm going to take 15 minutes away from shooting my gun this week at practice to I'm going to maybe read my Bible a little bit more. Maybe I need to get to know Christ a little bit more. Maybe I need to put my faith in him and less in my, my sidearm. I'd be a hypocrite to say, I just blindly go off and I don't have a gun. I don't need any protection. Jesus will protect me. You know, I think many people still have to take precautions. That's part of being wise. Uh, in the Bible, when Jesus sent the disciples out to go and preach, he told them to take some things with him. One of the things he said to strap on was a sword. He didn't take that sword to... You know, look at my sword, wow, you know. There is a reason for that. I don't want to get into that. That's a whole different topic. And my point is, we would be better off trusting God for our salvation than worrying about, you know, X, Y, and Z going to save us and, and going to help us. Deuteronomy chapter 31 Verses 1 through 8. Now, now the, 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 the nation of Israel, or the Hebrews, are going to be punished for their lack of faith. In fact, in fact none of them are going to get into the promised land. God says, yeah, okay, fine, none of you are going in. i got plenty of time. You know, you guys are all going to die. But I'll tell you what, your, your children, now they'll inherit the land. And uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31 off here. Apologize for not having notes. I had quite a morning this morning. I forgot everything at home. Let's see. Uh, chapter 31. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I'm 120 years old today. I'm no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. Remember, Moses got in trouble too. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to uh, Sihon the ah, and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their land, which, when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave or forsake you. 
That's the message today. No matter where you go, to school, to work, your God goes before you. And when God says, I go before you, everything that happens is in accordance with my will. You don't have to worry about your physical life, your, your body. What is that? I've got your eternal life right here in the palm of my hand, and nobody's going to snatch that away, ever. You're safe. Your salvation is secure. We are secure in Christ. No matter what happens to us, we're secure in Christ. We entered into salvation through the proper gate. Flipping back to John here. I'll wrap this up here. John chapter 10, verse 27. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Do you know the voice of Jesus? Do you know the voice of your Savior? Do you follow him? I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I don't want to die. I don't want to go to school and get shot. But I have confidence that if I go, I'm going to the kingdom. I will be with God for eternity. I have nothing to fear. Don't fear those who can destroy the body. Fear the one who can throw your whole body and destroy you and, and take away eternal life. It's with confidence that I can go. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. There should be confidence in that. I have confidence in that. I have confidence that as I move through life, my God is with me. Despite the, all the times I mess up, the things I screw up, uh, the, the wishy-washiness of my life, the, uh, am I in, am I out, am I doing this, am I doing that? God still goes before me. He holds us in his hands. Nothing can snatch us out of that hand. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No, no, uh, AR-15 uh, will prosper. Sure, you might get shot and die, but you're in the, the hand of the Father. You will not be forgotten. Salvation is yours. It is the free gift of God given through Jesus Christ for those who believe. If you go through the narrow gate, if you go through Christ, but how many of us turn to other things? We turn to, you know, the government's going to save us. I just need one more gun in my collection. I need this. I need a Kevlar vest. Those things are going to save me? Maybe, maybe not. But none of those things are going to guarantee you eternal life. None of those will give you salvation. In Hebrew, the word weapon refers to any tool or utensil used against a person. A weapon is anything that could be used against you for evil intent. If I want to take my car and run you over, you know, no car, my car won't prosper. If someone uses their cell phone against you, it should not prosper. 
If somebody uses their reputation, their cloud, it will not prosper. I wish some of the young kids were in here. How many times do kids get bullied on social media? And they got to put up with it. If your life is found in Christ, no social media is going to prosper against you. Sure, your life might be uncomfortable, but you'll never lose it in terms of eternity. No weapon formed against us will prosper. As Christians, we need to boldly go into our communities, boldly go into the world with confidence in our God, not making excuses for God, not making excuses, well, you have my thoughts and prayers. People laugh at you. You know what? The problem isn't thoughts and prayers. The problem is maybe I should pray more for you. Maybe I haven't prayed enough. So I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before. I don't care if you believe in it or not. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Well, as Isaiah assures us here, you know, our enemy's weapons are useless against us. They will not prosper. They will not succeed. They will not become successful. No assault upon us will be final. We might lose a battle here and there, but we're not going to lose the war. Because the day will come when God will crush Satan once and for all. Evil will pass away. No more shootings. No longer will we have to bring our children up in church and pray for them and lay hands on them, asking God for protection. Those things will have passed away. Until that day, you know, you know, I know who it is that goes before me. And I would encourage you to, to, to think about that this week. Who goes before you? Got to go to the doctor. I might get bad news. That's all right. The Lord is going before me. He's going to meet me there. God is not bound by time and this, this temporary existence. I mean, I often think about things in the future. If I do this, what's the result going to be? God's already there waiting on me. He's there. My God goes before me. If I would just trust in him... Well, friends, that's my, my beliefs about fear. I really do believe that the key as a Christian is to, to understand who we are in Christ. We, we are a part of God's great body because we go through Jesus, through that gate. But you have to have made that decision. You have to understand you know, that going to church isn't going to save you. Giving money isn't going to save you. Me buying another gun isn't going to save me. Me doing this, I don't know. It's only through the power of Jesus Christ, understanding that he died for our sins, that he stands in our place, that he took the punishment that was due to us, he took that upon himself, and he stands in our place. And if you believe that, you pass through that gate, and you enter into, the, into God's hands and Nothing's going to take you out of there. Well, that's good news for me. I don't know about you. I believe that. That gives me confidence. That gives me joy. That gives me peace. 
I'm determined to go confidently into my school on Monday, confidently attending to the education of the kids, and then all the other wonderful things that I'm privileged to do as a, as, as a teacher, to be able to work with them and to look after them. But I can do that with confidence and not fear because I know that Monday morning when I get up and go to work, God has already gone before me. And he's there. He's waiting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. God, we're praying uh, for protection this week. We prayed for our children today. Help us to relay to our kids that we don't have to be afraid because you offer something much greater than this temporary existence. You offer eternal life through your son, Jesus. Lord, it's my prayer that everyone in this church would hear that message and act on it and really ask themselves and spend time with you this week in prayer. Father, am I saved? Have I gone through that gate? Is Jesus the one who stands in my place? God, do you really go before me? Father, we love you today. And we're, we're, we're thankful for the, the privilege of worshiping you in this place. God bless us this week in the name of Jesus. Amen.